Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for October 19th, 2022. This is Brian Kirk. This week, we conclude our two-part series on long-term economic growth. In our previous episode, we had a great discussion on the labor force, where we talked about the decline of the participation rate, the great resignation, and the impact on economic growth. Today, we focus on the other pillar of long-term economic growth, productivity, and the factors that influence it. Joining me today again is Brian Jordan, Deputy Chief Economist, and Ben Ayers, Senior Economist. Hey guys, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Brian. Hey, glad to be here. Let's start off by level setting. Ben, what is productivity? And how does it play into potential economic growth? Well, I think conversation around productivity has to start with, unfortunately, how difficult productivity is to measure. It's, it's especially in current terms. It's always something that we look back on over time and say, well, we produce this so much. We, we use this much inputs and labor to produce it. And this is basically what productivity is. So, you know, upfront, even though it is a very important factor, it, it generally tends to be something that's a difficult concept to understand and uh, correspondingly a difficult measure to really look at from a current perspective. But basically, within the economics field, the big focus is on labor productivity or output per labor hour. And because of that, it's a key measure of economic growth. As we mentioned in the last podcast, we're seeing that the labor force growth continues to decline and it's very weak. And the other side of that is, okay, we have more people. How much is each person producing? And when you multiply those together, you basically get roughly your estimate for overall economic activity or real GDP growth. Uh, and the BLS, what they do is each quarter, they measure the number of hours worked and they look at the amount of output that the economy produces adjusted for inflation. So real output and they compute a real output per hour. And we look at that from quarter to quarter that's really the main way that we're able to look back and see, yet again, in a backward-looking manner, how much the labor productivity has been across the economy. And this includes a lot of factors. Obviously, it includes increased productive capacity by workers, but it also includes technological advancements, capital investments, anything that would boost the overall output for workers is a key factor that drives what we measure from a labor productivity perspective. And yet again, especially with the labor market, labor force not growing nearly as strongly as it has been in prior decades. When we look forward towards what the economy could potentially grow at, productivity is really the key factor here because we're not expecting the labor force to grow as much. That means if we're going to maintain growth rates across the economy as, as high as we expect, we need to get more productivity. Um, and, and that's one of the key things why we focus on this so much. Well, thanks, Ben. That's very helpful. Now, tell us, how has productivity performed recently? Well, and unfortunately, you know, there's been a lot of volatility in the data. And, and corresponding, we've seen some volatility in the productivity data. You know, early on in the pandemic, when we didn't have as many people working, so those number of hours fell, and we were still producing a lot of output, we saw a little bit of a pop in productivity. And very recently, as we've seen a lot more workers come on board, so those number of total hours worked has picked up. 
we've correspondingly seen labor productivity drop. Right now, the year-over-year measure for labor productivity, again measured by real output per labor hour, has dropped to has dropped by 2.4 percent. It's one of the weakest data we've ever had going back to the pandemic. But you kind of take a look at the trend here, and really over the past decade, in particular, we've seen a general weakening of labor productivity. There does tend to be cyclical factors, and I know we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but basically what you've seen over the past decade is one of the weaker periods for productivity in the history of the United States economy. Generally, we've seen that we're not producing as much output relative to the amount of hours that we're putting in. And yet again, when you layer that on to the expectations that the labor force isn't going to grow as much we're talking about pretty weak potential GDP growth for the U.S. economy going forward. If the longer-term trend has been more like 2 to 2.5%, um, maybe over the next couple of decades, if we don't see an increase in productivity from what we've seen recently, maybe it's more like 15 to 2% or even slower based upon some of the trends that we expect yet again, both for the labor, mar- labor force, um, but also for the productivity measures. So in our previous episode, we touched upon the Great Resignation. But before that, we had what had been called the Great Stagnation. Ryan, what exactly is the Great Stagnation, and how has it influenced productivity? So it it relates very directly to what Ben just talked about, this slowdown in productivity growth that we've seen recently. The idea behind the Great Stagnation is that we've had a slowdown in innovation in the U.S. economy. We haven't had the big breakthroughs in recent decades that we've had earlier in U.S. history, the big breakthroughs in transportation, for example, the car, the airplane, the big breakthroughs in energy, uh, such as electricity. We haven't had the big breakthroughs necessarily in mass communications that we had earlier, for example, with, with the telephone. Some would date this back to the 1970s. We've had long periods of stagnant productivity growth over the last 50 years. Some would date it more recently to the 2000s or the 2010s, the period just after the mass adoption of the internet. Either way, the numbers do bear it out to a large degree. Productivity has been slower, and that would suggest, at least strongly hint, that we haven't seen the same innovations recently that maybe we've seen historically. Was there any reason to hope that this period may be winding down? There, there is. There are reasons for optimism here, a number of reasons for optimism. Number one, productivity moves in long-term cycles, um, super cycles, and we've been in a long-term decline, as, as we've been discussing, and we are, for lack of a better word, due for a turn. We had a long period of decline from the the 1970s up until the mid-1990s or so, early to mid-1990s. And then we saw productivity taking off for a time before slowing again more recently. We're due for another upturn based on these long-term cycles. More fundamentally, more practically, we mentioned remote work, work from home trends on last week's podcast. Remote work has the potential to be a productivity game changer. There have been a number of studies on remote work since the pandemic a few years ago, since the pandemic began a few years ago. Admittedly, some of these studies are mixed. Some show that remote work has benefits for near-term productivity, but maybe not so many benefits for longer-term productivity because of potentially less collaboration. Some studies have, have suggested that Remote work has benefits for older workers, but maybe not so many benefits for newer or younger workers who benefit from a more collaborative 
experience early in their careers. But more broadly speaking, and this is something that Ben touched on very well also, remote work provides opportunities for potential workers who are not in large cities or not near major employers to work for those employers, to work for companies in those cities. And it expands the scope of potential workers, not just to those that are located close to your home office, but to anywhere in the world. That creates the opportunity for specialization, and that is a great productivity enhancer. So I think remote work has a great opportunity to boost these numbers sustainably going forward. The other reason to be optimistic is that we have had a number of technological breakthroughs in recent years that suggest that perhaps this great stagnation from a technological perspective is coming to an end. The vaccines themselves in the wake of the pandemic represent a major technological breakthrough and will continue to have impacts going forward for many years to come. We've had recent breakthroughs in quantum computing. We've had recent breakthroughs and big breakthroughs in artificial intelligence. We don't have anything close to artificial general intelligence just yet, but we have pretty good artificial intelligence, pretty good productivity enhancing artificial intelligence. Just as an example, GPT-3 has become very popular in recent years. It's being used to fill out spreadsheets, it's being used to code, and yes, it's even being used by college students to write their essays. These are all, maybe not the last, but but all to varying degrees, productivity enhancing. More innovation along these lines is likely, given some of the recent breakthroughs. So I think we could be on the verge of a renaissance here over the next several years. Yeah, Brian mentioned some productivity cycles. How long do you think, Ben, how long do you think these uh, usually last? And where does the slowdown of the last decade or so fit into the longer term picture? Sure. You know, as, as Brian mentioned, these do go in cycles. And particularly, they do tend to be tied to the wider business cycle. You know, just about every 10 years or so, which has been the average length of the business cycles, you see a pop in productivity because over the course of a downturn, you see people lose their jobs, but we still maintain a pretty high level of output. And so because of that, when you look at the hours worked relative to the amount of real output, in the economy, you do see a pop in productivity. And then over the course of the expansion, as many people start working again, and maybe that productivity growth tends to slow, we'd see that gradual decline over the course of the expansion. So I, you know, yet again, it's kind of tied with the about the average length of the business cycle. But to Brian's point also, there are super cycles. And I think we have been a relatively weak super cycle for productivity for really about the last 15 years or so. But within the grand scheme of things, we're still in that ballpark. I mean, the average growth in productivity over the past decade has been below 1.5%. But if you look at the past 20 or 30 years, it's really between that one and a half two and 2%, which is about the average growth that we've had across productivity going back to the early 1960s. So yet again, just because we've seen a weaker trend recently, does not mean we can't bounce back out of it and, and continue to see some stronger growth and productivity going forward. I think Brian brought up some great points for optimism. 
you know, I would just add that just be, over the course of the pandemic, again, kind of beating the drum of the work from home, we're seeing many businesses investing in technology, investing in software and intellectual property rights and, and different types of equipment tied to technology. And that should help to boost productivity. Increasingly, we're seeing we're not having to spend as much money on buildings because we don't need as much of those structures for workers to be in place in person. They can work from home. And because of that, we can take much more of those earnings that companies have and invest them back in technology and invest them in the productivity of their workers. So yet again, I I'm pretty optimistic as well that as we look forward for the next decade or two, that we're going to see at least average productivity, if not maybe a little bit faster than that, because of some of the changes that have been brought about by the pandemic over the past couple of years. Well, you've both laid out some reason for optimism. Yeah, Brian, I'm going to ask you to be the, the devil's advocate here. Is there a more pessimistic case? There is a pessimistic case that's built on a couple of pillars. Number one, the numbers simply have not been good recently. For, for, for some time, productivity has been, has been soft. Number two, the educational trends in recent years have not been encouraging, and education plays a big role in productivity. So um, every three years, the OECD tests 15-year-old students around the world in the PISA program, the most recent, because of the interruption with the pandemic, the most recent was in 2018. And U.S. 15-year-olds did not fare so well. The U.S. ranked 38th out of 79 countries in mathematics, ranked 19th in science, 13th in reading, but relatively poor results for a large developed economy. We've seen recent articles, there was a recent article in the Wall Street Journal suggesting that U.S. colleges are slipping in the global university rankings. There was a just uh, As we record this podcast, there was just an article today suggesting or indicating that ACT scores recently hit a 30-year low. So there are some disturbing trends on the, the educational side. I would say, though, from a more optimistic perspective, and to end here on, on a high note, that even though some of the more traditional educational metrics may be wavering a little bit, if not worse than worse than that, there are increasing alternative educational opportunities that hold great, great promise. Online learning, online university lectures, for example, are really expanding educational opportunities and can be expected to continue expanding educational opportunities significantly in the years ahead. The other key point to make on this is that the U.S. and every other economy, virtually every other economy on earth, benefits from global innovation, just as the world has benefited from U.S. innovation. The world has benefited from the internet, which was a U.S. innovation. The, the world has benefited from the automobile, which was a U.S. innovation. The world benefited from the industrial revolution, which was a U.K. innovation to a large degree. And the U.S. would benefit if technological breakthroughs happen outside of the U.S. And those technological breakthroughs, those innovations would boost U.S. productivity as well. So yes, there are some reasons for pessimism. I think the overall case, though, is still for the most part positive. Okay, well, let's go ahead and wrap it up with that high note then. Brian and Ben, thank you for your perspectives today. And to our audience, Thank you for listening. Join us next time as we discuss the upcoming GDP report. 
make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified as soon as our next podcast is released. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide Inn and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2022. Nationwide.